Hi, I'm Tamina, gender equality activist and sales professional at a global technology company. When I graduated from college in 2017, I was struggling to figure out how adulting works. School did not properly prepare me for some of the most basic things that my young professional life would eventually throw at me. If this sounds familiar, please join me on this journey to empower young women who are, just like myself, still in search of a fulfilling, purpose-driven life. Welcome to FemHive. Welcome back to FemHive, everyone. If you have been following me for a while and have been listening to a couple of previous podcast episodes, you know that the main focus of mine over the past year has been my health especially after my HPV and lipedema diagnosis. In case you've experienced similar challenges but haven't listened to these episodes yet or haven't watched my Instagram stories on them, I highly recommend you go back and do so. I will link to the specific episodes in the show notes. And today we're actually adding to these prior conversations around women's health. Specifically, we're talking about hormones and hormonal contraception. And I am so, so, so thrilled to be welcoming Megan Haralumpu, better known as the biomedical naturopath, to the podcast. Megan is a naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, and all-around women's health expert. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Megan. It's so, so great to have you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, Megan, look, let's dive right in because I just have so, so many questions for you today. Um, obviously, you are very qualified for what you do. You hold mm -hmm. two bachelor's degrees, one in biomedical science and one in clinical science. But I'm just curious to learn when and how you actually became so passionate about women's health. Can you please share your journey with us? Yeah, sure. I suppose it really started with my own journey, you know, surrounding my own health challenges that I really sort of started with in my teens, particularly surrounding birth control. So when I was 17, like most, most girls, I went to my GP and was prescribed birth control. So for me, my reasoning for going on birth control was simply for contraception. And of course, you know, many other women go on it for a multitude of other reasons. But for me, I went on it for contraception and that was kind of it. There was really no conversation around the side effects or, you know, how long I should be on it for or what this was doing to my body, that when I was having a bleed on the pill, that wasn't actually my period. There was just really no conversation. And being 17, I didn't really, you know, question that narrative because all my other friends were doing it and it was just a done thing and I didn't want to get pregnant at 17. And so I then after that developed UTIs, thrush, and within about a year after that, I developed raging anxiety whereby I had panic attacks and, you know, my mum would have to sleep in bed with me because I was so scared of laying alone at night in bed. And then after reflecting on it, you know, I didn't really put two and two together at the time when I was on the pill. And then at 25, I met my now husband and I had started studying at that point naturopathy. And then within kind of like a year, I was like, all right, I'm going to get off this thing because I don't want to do, you know, pot 
put that stuff into my body after I'd started learning about it. And after I came off the pill, that is when that kind of light bulb moment happened for me, whereby I was like, oh, I don't get UTIs anymore. Oh, I don't get thrush anymore. Oh, my anxiety isn't as bad anymore. And it really kind of, that's really kind of sparked that sort of um, curiosity in, in me where I was like, okay, could this have all been really attributed to the pill? And then when I looked at it, it was, you know, frighteningly obvious that all the things that I had started to experience, you know, all the symptoms that I had started to experience post pill, you know, or sorry, not, well, not post pill, but on the pill was really because of the pill. But it really took me coming off it and then realizing that those things no longer, you know, were a big factor in my life to realize like retrospectively that, oh, okay, this was a huge thing. And so with that, I've become super passionate about helping women understand their menstrual cycles, their hormones, you know, getting tested on the right day, making sure that they have a good understanding of their results and what they mean and helping them to get off birth control without the drama. You know, there are a lot of fears around getting off birth control and I'm so passionate about helping women understand their hormones. You know, truly it is, there is, it's, there's a, such a huge lack of female centered care, particularly here in Australia. Many women are gaslit and, you know, there's a lot of medical gaslighting whereby their symptoms are just like, like, oh, you're fine, just, you know, I've heard it all, unfortunately, these days. But, um, uh, yeah, there, you know, the, the level of care for women um, is particularly, um, you know, kind of like, oh, you'll be fine, just go back on birth control. There's really no other option. So I have become really passionate to show women there is another way and you can work with your hormones, you can partner with your body and it doesn't have to be, you know, that feeling of being ruled by them. You don't, you can, you know, live with them and you can use them to your advantage and, and, you know, you don't have to suffer through your periods for the rest of your life. I love that. And I mean, it's it's it happens so frequently that, you know, someone like yourself or, or, or myself, we experience a pain point, a challenge in our lives and realize, hey, like there is something we should do about that. Um, similar for me with this podcast, I was really suffering from post-graduation depression when I graduated from college and tried to navigate, you know, adulting and mm. being out there in the, in the real world and realized we just didn't have enough conversations about these topics of, you know, how to manage our personal finances, how to mm. manage our careers, uh, practicing self-care and, and all of that. And and, mm. and and similar to you, I, I, I love that, you know, you, even though obviously you didn't have the greatest experience with um, with birth control yourself, you used that as a source of strength to really turn that into a superpower to help women. So I, I, I really love that. And I want to talk more about getting off birth control in a moment. But what you were mentioning towards the end, Megan, about the lack of female-centered care really, really resonated with me. And I think it resonates with a lot of people. Um, to give you some some background on why I really wanted you to come on the show, um, so so earlier in 2021, I was diagnosed with HPV, which unfortunately caused a lesion close to my cervix, and it had to be cauterized. Also caused an infection, um, and it actually took six male <laughs> doctors mm -hmm. and me insisting on getting a Pap smear to finally get 
a diagnosis after, you know, being gaslit into thinking that continuously bleeding for three weeks straight was just part of, you know, the female experience. Mm. <laughs> and obviously I've, I, I've lived in my body for quite some time. I, I, I can tell you that bleeding for three weeks straight, even as someone who has a menstrual cycle, which actually I didn't at the time was just not normal Mm-mm. and yeah it was just awful and then unfortunately only a few short months later I was diagnosed with lipedema, which is caused by hormonal changes in the female body and around that time when everything was happening to to me I also learned about um, endometriosis because uh, a friend of mine Lena um, she's actually from from Australia um, and 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 she was on the show and she talked about her experience getting diagnosed and I think if I remember correctly it took her like seven to ten years to get a diagnosis which is yeah. ridiculous so when I heard her on the show her story really brought me to tears and I feel like with all of these stories mine Lena's yours have in common is the fact that we as women experience so much guilt shame and as you're mentioning earlier Megan gaslighting every single Mm. day because we live in a society that is built for men and that's also what I want to address today on on this show and during our conversation, Megan, could you maybe, you, you already started talking a little bit about the whole gaslighting and the lack of mm. um, female-centered care, but could you maybe elaborate a little bit more about what your and your female clients experience with the whole patriarchy and heteronormative um, you know, society that we live in in relation to women's health has been like? Yeah, look, I am... <laughs> My unfortunately, I probably have a you know skewed perception, and I what I mean by that is you know I see the clients that have been to the GP and the specialists, and you know they've gone to there and they've found no answers, and then they've come to me, and so I probably see a disproportionate amount of women who have had really poor care in those systems. So, and this isn't to say that they're you know are all all of them are terrible. There are certainly you know some incredible um, specialists and doctors out there that are really you know flying the flag you know for female centered care. But unfortunately, for most of my patients, and I would say you know ninety percent of my clients that I see, the lack of care is astounding. And honestly, it is so frightening the stories I hear you know and so sad to listen to these women tell me that you know gosh I had a client the other day who said she was describing to her doctor uh, about her luteal phase issues moodiness period you know period issues fluid retention bloating and the GP just said wear looser clothing um, you know, and you kind of just think, is that really it? Is that the best we can do? You know, and then there's that, like you said, endometriosis, that is such a common thing to take seven to 10 years. That's, that is very standard, unfortunately, in, you know, Western society, well, sorry, any society, I would, um, I would say as well, to be diagnosed with endometriosis after at least 10 years of going around on America around, which again, is just and I'm so sad for those women because they are suffering every single month with horrendous period pain where they're vomiting and they're, you know, passing out from pain using significant pain medication. And so I would say what's their experience? I would say it's very poor. You know, there is a severe lack of understanding around female hormones, you know, because they're, 
it's it's like doctors don't really even need to know about it because there is really no other treatment that they can offer. You know, if you go to the doctor for irregular periods, you get the pill, right? If you go to them with no periods, you get the pill. If you go to them with heavy periods, you get the pill. If you go to them with acne, you get the pill. If you go to them with PMS, you get the pill. And so it kind of to them doesn't really matter what your hormones are because there is no other option for you in terms of treatment. And so for them understanding about your menstrual cycle and, you know, the ebbs and flows of those menstrual cycles, estrogen and progesterone, testosterone, there's almost no point. This is, and this is just my, um, you know, interpretation of it because why, why would it matter to them? Because if you come in with whatever condition it is, that's a hormonal condition, even if you have endo, PCOS, you know, hypothalamic amenorrhea, it doesn't actually matter they're just going to prescribe you a pill and that's pretty much it. And so, you know, I really do hope and I feel the tide is turning, particularly because practitioners like myself and, you know, there are so many other amazing practitioners in this space that are really flying that flag um, for female health and women are having, you know, or women are beginning to learn more about their cycles, you know, because of the, you know, amazing reach that social media has whereby they can, you know, women from all over the globe can, you know, read on my Instagram about all different types of female issues and things like that. And then maybe, you know, that light bulb moment can go off for them and they can go, okay, maybe there is another way, or maybe there is a reason why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're mentioning there is, is, is spot on, like, no matter what your problems are, you just get the pill. Like there usually isn't even a conversation happening around that. And that's certainly been my experience as well. Like I recently had my arm implant removed after having been on hormonal contraception for 12 years straight. Mm. And actually before making that decision, I had talked to a few women who had gotten off the pill and all of them said it was the best decision they've ever made which was obviously very reassuring to me because mm. I, I i'm not at a point yet where i would want to get pregnant mm. um but again that 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 made me realize how quick our doctors and our overall healthcare system are to prescribe hormonal birth control and mm. how little consultation specifically young women actually Mm. get and how our society normalizes the medical management of women's hormones it's 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 outrageous Uh, Mm. i mean you were mentioning it earlier like acne as an example like that for me was the primary reason for me getting the pill to clear up my really bad acne at age 15 and obviously obviously (laughs) i was a bit of an angsty teenager back then with uh, low self-esteem so i was really willing to do almost anything to get rid of my acne but of looking course. back, I, I I really cannot believe how long it has taken me to actively start questioning what I was doing to my body on a daily mm. basis. Um, so since you are the scientific expert, Megan, could you could you summarize again like why, in your opinion, women should get off hormonal contraception? Yeah, sure. So look, I think the important thing to understand really when it is like when it comes down to getting off birth control is really about understanding why your period actually matters. You know, a lot of the reason women stay on the pill is because for most women, their understanding around periods is like, okay, well, I don't want to get pregnant. Right. And so that's the reason they stay on the pill. There is 
that lack of understanding of like, well, what else does my period actually do for me? Like, why do I have a bleed? And what is it, what is it about having a period outside of getting pregnant that is so important, you know? And there is so many different things that, well, not so many different things I should say, but there are so many other reasons to get off birth control. And it's not just about making a baby, you know, it's all about your health as well, you know? One of them is healthy bones. So our hormones help prevent bone breakdown. They also help create new bones. So this is one of my biggest issues with a pill. If you're on on a um, birth control, you're not making any of your hormones. That means you're not making any um, new bone and you're certainly losing bone as well. Being on the pill can increase your risk of osteopenia and osteoporosis um, later in life because when you're on the pill, most women get prescribed the pill when they're um, a teenager, right? You, during this time is when you develop something called peak bone mass. And so this is um, basically a time when you make as much bone as you possibly can to then um, prevent osteoporosis later in life. That doesn't happen when you're on the pill. You know, so I see women now in their 30s and 40s who have the bones of a 60-year-old because they've lost that window essentially of opportunity to create that healthy bone mass to then prevent those conditions later in life because they don't have the hormones to do so. Healthy moods, you know, when we ovulate, so, you know, in a very simplistic terms, we've got, you know, ovulation, you know, we've got in our menstrual cycle, you know, pre-ovulation is estrogen, you know, that's hanging around and building the lining um, that we shed as a period. Once you release an egg, we make a hormone called progesterone. Um, That progesterone um, attaches to something called a GABA receptor in our brain. GABA is our really calming neurotransmitter. It helps us to make us feel cool, calm and collected leading up into our bleed. When you're on the pill, you don't make progesterone. So that doesn't happen. In fact, progestin has been linked to depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideations, particularly progesterone, um, you know, high drugs as well. Um, weight as well is really important. Um, and just having a healthy body, having our hormones protects our breast health, our heart health, and our brain health. So I think understanding like why your period is important, not just outside of making a baby, you know, fertility isn't just about get, making a baby. There's so much more than that. And it's really down to having a healthy body, you know, it helps with your weight, your moods, your bones, and all these other things, great things. And that's the reason why partnering with your body and working with your body is going to pay off tenfold rather than going on a hormonal contraception and then dealing with the problem later. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to say, Megan. Like, I feel like what within like a minute and a half, two minutes, I just learned more than than my uh, gynecologists and GPs have have shared with me over the past twelve years. Um, yeah. So, yeah. thank you for that. But also pretty pretty frightening, to be quite honest with you. Um, yes. Pr- particularly the 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 osteoporosis and and relationship to to bones. I. I actually no idea i'm and i'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners when they get to listen to this um will also have a kind of aha moment um Mm -hmm. wow really i'm 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 mind blown um thank you for for sharing that i think that is like everything that you just mentioned all your arguments are are very very convincing and i just i just wish someone would would tell us about this like i i i, mm, right. I i'm really outrageous now i feel like this, is, this should almost be considered like like a crime for for uh, for gps and gynecologists and whoever gets to prescribe uh, hormonal birth control they, they they should talk about these things especially mm. 
especially Absolutely. to to young young women as you're saying you know like uh, that you know when you're still in your teens and maybe early 20s that's a crucial time for for your your bones to still build and and uh, your your entire body to really you know form so it's it's yeah that's that's really really crazy now i don't even know what what to say i'm kind of speechless there but um let me quickly play devil's advocate here megan because um i yes. personally feel like i'm in such a privileged position to be able to you know now mentally cope with the fact that i'm off hormonal birth control um, mm. quite well because at age 27 you know i'm in a Luckily, I'm in a very stable, committed relationship where mm. both parties earn six-figure salaries. So even though I don't want to get pregnant right now, you know, an unplanned pregnancy wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, this mm. stage of my life. Mm. That being said, you know, 19 or 20-year-old me was in a completely different situation. Totally, right? Uh, obviously, <laughs> you know had I gotten pregnant while being in college and being financially dependent on my family without a partner, that would have been very challenging. So mm. therefore I believe that women's individual life circumstances do matter. And that being on hormonal birth control can offer at least some, you know, sort of peace of mind, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so just curious, Megan, what's your advice for young women or those women who aren't in a healthy relationship or financially independent or, you know, in any sort of circumstance that makes them be particularly anxious about potentially getting pregnant? Yeah, sure. Look, I feel like there's a few components to that question. You know, there should be at least, you know, look, would I have still gone on the pill at 19, 18, 17, maybe, you know, but what I probably would have liked to have known is, you know, being 17, if someone had probably told me those things, I probably wouldn't have cared anyway. But maybe as a 20-year-old, I would have gone, yeah, maybe I don't want to be on it for too long. And so I suppose my advice for young women is that, you know, at least know this is what it is doing to your body. And so you can kind of go, okay, I'm in a particular situation in my life where I'm like, okay, you know, I can't get pregnant. All right, I'm going to go on it for 12 months, you know, or 18 months or six months, whatever it ends up being. The other part is to that is that there really needs to be more education on our periods and our menstrual cycles. That's really taught as a teenager because maybe then if we were taught as a teenager not to fear our periods and, you know, think that we get pregnant every single day of the cycle, maybe we would come out as young adults better equipped to, you know, feel more in control of our hormones and so then feel less scared about getting pregnant because we go, no, I've learned already. I've, I know about my menstrual cycle, you know, I have a cycle every I don't know, 35 days, I'll make it up. I know I ovulate around this time. I'm producing my cervical mucus. I know when I'm ovulating. And so that could be a great gift to, to give to women, you know, to learn about their menstrual cycles when they're a teenager. So then individual life circumstances like being in a healthy relationship or being financially independent don't matter because they are in control of their own hormone, uh, menstrual cycles, you know. And then the third thing to that, for me anyway, is what about the guy? Can't, I, you know, they have invented men's birth control, but it's never gotten past the trial phases because men don't like the side effects. And so they don't like feeling depressed. They don't like putting on weight. They don't like feeling like they have no libido, but we put all up, we put up with all of those things when we go on birth control. And so, you know, yes, you know, 
coming back to, I suppose, your original question, you know, advice for those young women, you know, if you have to go on it, that's fine, but understand what it is going, it is doing to you. And then maybe choose, you know, to not go on it for as long as you can, you know, but for me as like a practitioner, what I would love to see is education in for teenage women around menstrual cycles and to for them to feel more empowered around their menstrual cycles rather than them feeling so disempowered and have such a lack of understanding of what their periods are doing and just feeling like they're going to get pregnant every single day of their cycle and having absolutely no idea how their body works and then the third thing to that is you know I would love to see a men's birth control although I don't think that'll happen anytime soon a hundred percent, Megan. Uh, it's it's so so frustrating. Um, I had heard about you know the male birth control. They you know had been trialing. Uh, I think this was like a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, obviously men are like, oh no, you could get a headache, <laughs> or you could gain weight, or you could be moody. Oh no, that, right. that's too much. We cannot, no, uh, can, can take that risk for, for our precious men. I know, right? I know. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I mean, at this point, I don't even know, should I, should I laugh? Should I cry? Like it's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's honestly quite offensive to, to every yeah. single woman. Um, but I a hundred percent agree with you. We need to have more education. Like the fact that, you know, I, I, again, super privileged. I got to go to college. Like, you know, I've had access to education and yet at age 27, I still have no idea what my menstrual cycle looks like. I'm just starting to learn that now. Mm. And only Mm. as a result of, you know, my own health challenges that I've been experiencing over the past couple of months. So it's, yeah, I 100% agree. There needs to be more education. And um, I love that 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 word that you used, um, disempowered, because I, I think that's exactly what so many women feel like disempowered when it comes to their menstrual cycles, uh, birth mm. control, and just like, contraception in 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 general and i really do hope that there will be one more education and second for you know the the men to be more involved in that um in the future you know aside from just having to put on a condom which as we probably all know most men don't like that either so um, (laughs) it's 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 ridiculous um well Look, speaking of alternatives, um, we talked about how we live in a society that has normalized hormonal contraception, so we oftentimes don't even know that there are alternatives out there. Most women don't track their menstrual cycles, which prevents them from knowing, okay, what are my fertile days? Where is it less likely for me to get pregnant? Um, Of course. I think most women probably know that there is the copper IUD, which is an alternative to hormonal birth control. But I personally just didn't consider that because I, after, you know, 12 years on birth control, I'm just done with having any sort of foreign objects in my body. And, right. you know, I've also heard that insertion can be extremely, extremely painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, there are other options out there. We just don't know about them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I I actually myself only recently found out about temperature tracking, for example, and observing, you know, the mucus. Um, So I just started with that after I got my first period, after getting my my implant removed. So this was, what, like two weeks ago? Um, 
Megan, could you please walk us through all the alternatives and what your recommendations are? Yeah. So look, my recommendation is to do fertility awareness tracking. And so what that basically entails, there is many different interpretations of this and how that actually works. Um, But my recommendation under that umbrella of fertility awareness method is to use cervical mucus along with temperature tracking. So what that essentially means is you track your basal body temperature. So that means taking your temperature at the exact same time every single morning. I recommend using a um, specific basal body temperature tracker. Um, It is an investment, but it is an investment to you. And so what that does is that will be able to give you a really clear definitive answer of when you actually ovulate. Because when you ovulate, when you produce progesterone, you increase your basal body temperature by about a degree. And that's because progesterone produces heat. And so if you track your baby, um, your basal body temperature, and for example sakes, you're always sitting around 36.2, 36.4, you kind of go off and, you know, up and down. And you can see these on these graphs, um, you know, when you buy these really fancy um, BBT trackers. And then you jump up to 37.2 and then you go, okay, I've jumped up a degree and that, you know, that temperature rise has been sustained um, for more than 24 hours. And then if you can then, the second thing that I use within FAMS is monitoring your cervical mucus. And so, what you do then is you don't need to get all into your vagina every day and have a look at it. You can just see and feel it. We have thousands of nerve endings on our vagina to feel for this stuff. And so cervical mucus is made from our vagina. Um, if you're on the pill, you won't make any. So if you've been on birth control since you're 16 and you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, once you get off the pill, you can start tracking this. But cervical mucus is made by the um, cervix in response to uh, estrogen and progesterone. And so when you make estrogen, you make something called E-type um, cervical mucus, which is your fertile, fertile mucus. And it's basically a super highway for sperm, right? How that feels and looks, it will feel wet. So most of my clients will say, you know, on those days when you're like, I just have so much mucus, um, you know, I feel like I need to wear a liner. Like when I wipe, it's very like slippery. Um, you know, when you wipe on the toilet paper, that's fertile mucus and it's stretchy. When you put it between your fingers, it should have a stretch to it. And then if you track that with your basal body temperature, right? So if you go, okay, I'm feeling my, you know, stretchy mucus because as you get an increase in estrogen, you'll get that wet, slippery mucus. And then you see that um, temperature rise. You're like, okay, amazing. I've ovulated. Great. So within 24 hours, that egg is now gone and then pregnancy isn't possible. And so then you can be, you know, safe to have, you know, unprotected sex after that and without risk of getting pregnant. So that's the option that I recommend for women who are wanting to use, um, you know, natural fertility awareness method to prevent pregnancy because you can use it to prevent pregnancy just as much as you can to, um, you know, get pregnant um, as well. Those two things together um, are very effective. Again, the the tracking basal body temperature does have challenges. Um, It does require a very consistent sleep schedule you know, and, you know, not getting up multiple times in the night, you know, there's lots of variables, which is why I recommend getting a fancy, you know, basal body temperature tracker. They're a bit more expensive, but they are 100% worth it in terms of the accuracy. I recommend the one by TempDrop. It is incredible, particularly great for women who have kids or irregular periods or, you know, those sorts of things. And it will just give you a really clear definitive answer on like, yes, okay, I've, you know, 
I've jumped up to degree in temperature, great. I've ovulated, awesome. Now I'm, you know, in my safe phase, I suppose, in terms of not being able to get pregnant. Amazing. See, I I, I wish someone had taught told me about that in, in sex ed in, in school but obviously right? they didn't they just no. told us how to use a condom and put that on a banana or a I know, yeah. you know that, 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 that's it for sex ed okay now you're good totally. to go and um you know once some of your friends start going on on the pill or any other form of uh, hormonal birth control then you're kind of like sucked into that as well and yes. yeah no it's 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 crazy yeah definitely like the 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 uh, combination of cervical mucus tracking and temperature tracking i I've, mm. I've 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 recently gotten into that myself as well and i got a special special uh, thermometer to to track Beautiful. the basal temperature so uh, i'm just Amazing. on my on my first cycle right now Yay! so i know my body still needs to adjust so i'm gonna have to give it a totally. try over the next probably two to three cycles for it to um, become statistically valid data but um no it's it's so good to know that there there are alternatives out there and again i've heard so many so many women that i've reached out to some of my listeners included who 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 shared with me that uh they've been using that very successfully both to prevent pregnancy yeah. and as you were saying also to to uh get pregnant if, if that's what they wanted um so Absolutely. that's great to know um Let's let's let let's talk a little bit more about getting off hormonal birth control, Megan. Obviously, yes. every woman's body is different, and totally. it can take a few months for it to adjust. You're just mentioning how you know while you're on um, on the pill, you, you don't really have cervical mucus. Uh, it mm -hmm. just takes some time for it to to get back. Um, let's say like woman A gets off, um, she's doing really well, but woman B might experience severe side effects such as mm. acne, hair loss, and so on. Um, yeah. In your in your opinion, or what what be, would be your recommendation, Megan? What should women who go off hormonal contraception know, and what should they do in terms of you know practicing physical and mental self care to look after themselves, especially you know the first couple of months um, after getting off hormonal birth control? Yeah, sure. So with getting off birth control, I always recommend giving yourself one month to prepare your body for coming off it to minimize side effects. If you know you have a specific hormonal condition like PCOS or endometriosis, then I would reckon maybe, you know, maybe two to, two to three months. But essentially there's kind of like five pillars, um, you know, within my kind of getting off, you know, birth control. That being diet, um, balancing your blood sugar, minimizing stress, you know, and working on um, replenishing your minerals um, and also focusing on your liver and gut health. And so my recommendation is to, you know, clean up your diet, make sure you've got all the, you know, inflammatory foods out, you know, minimizing alcohol, um, you know, and making sure that we're not having rich, you know, high, you know, carb meals. We're having lots of fiber, lots of protein um, and lots of fruits and veggies. Um, and then rebuilding your micronutrients when you're on the pill, this depletes you of zinc or your B vitamins, magnesium, you know, a whole bunch of um, different types of nutrients. So getting a blood test to, you know, uh, replenish your um, micronutrients as well. It's supporting your liver. Your liver has to deal with these synthetic hormones on a daily basis. And when you come off it, your liver is your internal garbage disposer. And so if you want to be able to clear out all your waste every day, giving your liver some love is really important with things like St. Mary Sissel, Rosemary, um, you know, Shazandra, Globe Artichoke. Um, there are a whole bunch of other beautiful um, lover, you know, liver sort of supportive nutrients in terms of foods. Um, 
broccoli sprouts are really good as well. Um, and then your gut, you know, when you're on the pill, unfortunately, um, it significantly disrupts your um, uh, gut microbiome. So it increases inflammation um, and makes uh, your gut microbiome more um, favorable for unhealthy bacteria. In fact, um, there was a study that was published on women who went on the pill, women who went on the pill, you know, under the right conditions as well, had a 300% increase in getting Crohn's disease. So there is a huge uh, gut, you know, um, sort of component there. And so depending, you know, on your kind of situation with your gut, then I would also recommend some gut work, you know, prebiotics, probiotics, you might need to actually do some gut testing to get a better understanding of, you know, any type of underlying gut infections that you might have and then treat them accordingly as well. Wow. Um, I, I, I wish I had reached out to you before I got up for <laughs> birth control myself because now I'm like, I mean, um, I, I, I do enjoy eating fruit and veggies. So I do have a, a balanced diet, I would say. And I actually minimized alcohol quite, quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, again, like I, I'm so astonished in a very negative way about you know, all the things we we just don't know about our own bodies like oh damn like i yeah i i really regret you know not going off earlier but look there is nothing i can do now just focus on the present and the future absolutely um, look i was on it for you know eight years and honestly oh, wow. i'm just like why did i even go on that but anyway yeah yeah and i just hope you know if Today, someone is listening, a young woman, maybe still, you know, in her teens or early 20s, and she's listening to this conversation. And if if our conversation today triggers her to get off birth control or at least, you know, start educating herself more, then this is already a, a win in my book. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, Megan, you, you just uh, raised a very, very interesting topic, gut health. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, there's so much we could talk about hormones and women's totally. health. It's such a big topic and one podcast episode, unfortunately, cannot do it justice, but yes. would love to spend a few more minutes talking about gut health. Um, yes. Again, like this past year has been really, really uh, incredible in, in terms of, you know, how much I, I learned about women's health. And I was... I was truly astonished when I learned that 70 to 80% of our immune response actually comes from our gut. Um, mm -hmm. So I've certainly been trying to be more kind to my gut by, you know, yeah. significantly reducing my gluten and lactose intake. And um, you were just mentioning there is a big relationship between our hormones and our gut health. Could you, could you maybe talk a little bit more about it, elaborate on that, give us a quick, quick intro to, to Gut Health 101. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. So yeah, gut is massive, right? I suppose to narrow that conversation with gut and I suppose how it impacts our hormones. So when for estrogen, right? So there is a lot of research in the role that the microbiome has in estrogen regulation. And so there is a particular compound that certain bacteria can make um, in our gut, something called beta-glucuronidase. Essentially what beta-glucuronidase does is it makes us recirculate estrogen. So for estrogen to get out of the body, you know, it goes into the bloodstream, does its job, then it goes, okay, I'm done. I need to come out basically of the body. So it goes, lines up at the liver and says, I'm ready to be detoxified, goes through the liver and then goes, gut, you need to poo me out essentially. 
what happens is you go through that process, liver's done its job, that estrogen is now a water-soluble molecule ready to be pooped out. It then gets into the gut and if there is this um, molecule in there called beta-glucuronidase, beta-glucuronidase will literally force that estrogen to come from the gut uh, into your blood circulation again. So forces it out of there. There's nothing that you can do about it. So um, that can lead to an increase in your estrogen load. And there are certain types of gut bugs that make you more predisposed to making um, beta-glucuronidase. So women who have issues with like high estrogen symptoms, like, you know, heavy periods, fibroids, um, you know, significant mood swings, acne things all leading up into their, um, you know, periods or endometriosis or even other estrogen related diseases like breast cancer can have this beta-glucuronidase compound within their gut. And so um, when you go on the pill, I suppose, the pill creates localized inflammation within the bowel. It creates an environment that is more conducive for um, unfriendly bacteria and it reduces uh, the good bacteria within our bowel as well. So um, creating that kind of dysbiosis, I suppose, you know, that many people call it now um, as well. So in terms of gut health and how it affects your hormones, that's a major one um, that I have found that is particularly relevant for women, um, you know, not only when they go on the pill, but also if they are struggling with different types of hormonal conditions that they knew about before going on the pill and now, you know, certainly might be struggling with it more coming off the pill. Again, incredible. I'm I'm speechless. I'm learning so so much, and um, actually, I'm so so grateful to you, Megan, for for share, sharing all your your knowledge with us. I think you know this is going to have such such a big impact to everyone who who is listening, um, and just you know is a testament to how how much room for education there, there there still is not only in relation to you know hormonal contraception but female mm. health in general and mm. again made me realize how how big that lack of female centered care is you know for the entire mm. female body it's 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 really bad actually and totally um, right I yeah again I'm so so happy that that women like yourself exist um you're doing such a such a such important work really and I'm so sure that many of our listeners are now extremely curious to learn more about their own bodies probably also for very concerned about their own bodies and totally. you know, how <laughs> their hormonal exposure affects their their own health um Unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up, Megan, um, even though I could talk to you about this for, for forever and forever. Yes, but, yes. Um, aside from your incredible Instagram account and your website where you share some amazing resources already, what are some of your favorite resources? You know, can be books, podcasts, websites, whatever, where our listeners can do a bit of a deep dive into this whole topic of hormonal health. Yeah, so there are lots of books that I love. There is um, an amazing book by um, Lara Bryden. She um, is a doctor over in New Zealand. It's called Why, oh gosh, I should know it, Why Periods Matter, I think, or Having Better Periods. There is another incredible book by an amazing um, doctor over in the US. It's by Dr. Jolene Brighton. It's called Beyond the Pill. Um, there is another incredible book by a wonderful lady called Lisa Hendrickson and her book is The Fifth Vital Sign. She really, um, that's a really good book about 
understanding your menstrual cycles. Um, there is another great resource, particularly for teens. Um, it's called the Bright Girl Guide. Um, she that is an ebook or as a hardback um, as well. But she's on Instagram as well as uh, Bright Girl Health, and she's has a really fabulous resource um, for teens in particular. And she also does a parent and teen um, course on period health as well, which is super exciting um, as well. And I've got my own um, hormone blood testing guide as well. So if women are at the point where they are off the pill and their doctors are telling them that their hormones are fine, but they feel, you know, like something is off, then they can, you know, look at that guide and then kind of go, what hormones do I need to get tested? When to get tested? What my results actually mean? And, you know, um, you know, kind of what extra support I need from that as well. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing. I've taken some notes here on my computer yes. and we'll definitely yeah. look into, <laughs> into all of these books. Again, I'm just, you know, at the beginning of my own journey there. Um, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it'll be super, super enlightening to further dive into this, this whole topic. So, um, Absolutely. well, look, Megan, is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Anything that, that we missed talking about um, before we wrap it up? <laughs> I think, like you said, I could talk all day <laughs> and night about this, right? Um, but if you guys have any other questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You know, I am on Instagram, you know, the biomedical naturopath. So, you know, drop me a DM, you know, after you've listened to this and I will do my best to get back to you. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much, Megan, for joining me. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Again, thank you for sharing all of your knowledge. This has been so, so insightful. And I cannot wait for this episode to go live soon. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And that concludes our show. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Since this podcast is a free resource to you all, I would really appreciate it so much if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and shared FemHive with all the women in your life. The more reviews, subscribers, and downloads we have, the more amazing guests I'm able to invite and the more value I can give back to you. So trust me, this is in your own best interest. I would also love to hear your key takeaways from this episode. So please tag me on Instagram or DM me and follow fem.hive for more adulting tips and inspirational content for female young professionals. Make sure to also check out femhive.com for more valuable resources. I hope you tune in again next week. Until then, take care, ladies.